Well, hey everyone, welcome back to our series on mindfulness. You're joining us for week two, and today we're talking about Christian meditation. If you have not uh, watched week one, uh, where we talked about mindfulness 101, that is a pretty key message in launching and framing this series, as we talked a lot about the architecture of the mind, uh, the relationship between spirit, body, and mind, and just God's vision for transformation. Transformation takes place pretty much in the mind. If someone goes on a fitness journey or something, like that sure they've had to put some disciplines in a very practical way but very much of it is about the psychology of the mind and so when we get saved we experience a spiritual transformation on the inside of us we receive the holy spirit but we still need to go on this process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we talked all about the conscious mind, the subconscious mind last week, about how much of our behavior is programmed from stuff that we can't even see. Uh, the stuff we've experienced as a kid, what we were rewarded for, the, the, the ways that we coped with difficulty in life, traumas that we've had to fight to get through, uh, cultural programming, family programming, things that we've been taught, uh, much of which is just kind of lying there and yet it's almost like sequences of emotional code programming and every now and then you see that stuff come to light when someone uh, speaks to you in a certain way there's almost like a trigger is pulled and some code comes out of nowhere and we surprise ourselves sometimes and of course that programming can be positive as well um, but what we're going to find is that because of sin in our world there is some brokenness on the inside of us and um, God's vision for you and I there's two parts of what we're really tackling in this series. And first of all is this idea of mental health, being whole, experiencing healing, not just in the surface level of our mind. You know, often when we think about um, issues of mental health, we might think of things like, uh, you know, eating disorders or anxiety or depression or panic attacks or any number of things. These things are things that we're seeing on the surface level of the mind that come to the surface. But these are linked to things taking deeper on the inside of us. And the mind is incredibly complex. Um, um, and so we want to be very careful about dealing with these things and getting great help. Medical help is good as well. But we also want to really understand the spiritual dynamic of what is taking place in this relationship between spirit, mind and body. And so God wants us to be well. He wants our lives to be full of peace and wholeness and all of that. So that's great. That's the first part of what God wants to do. And so I'm believing that this series is going to be a part of bringing uh, healing into many people watching. Uh, but the second part is all about your human potential. Um, I don't know if you've got dreams on the inside of you. I feel like I'm pretty sure you do because I know that God has put every single person on this planet with a purpose, with a calling, with a gift mix, with something to accomplish in this world. And I'm telling you that if we are to live up to our human potential and to flourish and fulfill some of those things that God has put on the inside of us, we're going to need to go through a transformation of thinking. Uh, we're going to need to be filled with confidence, courage, boldness, uh, faith. Uh, we're not going to be intimidated by the mountains and the giants that we're going to experience in this world, but we are going to go after the purpose of God and follow Jesus uh, in everything that he's asking us to do on planet Earth. And so there's this beautiful 
full kind of contrast of just wholeness and healing, but also living out our purpose. And this is my prayer for us, as that we, we would be strengthened in our mind. And so the Bible says so much about the mind. Honestly, guys, if you go through, you'll begin to see over and over and over, the Bible has been talking about the, the mind for thousands of years. And I'm grateful that today as a culture, uh, we're starting to bring some of these uh, things into our consciousness. And we're talking about the importance of mental health and so on. But it's really important that we do it uh, with the context of the spiritual dynamic that we really understand what's going on in, in the full picture. So I want to read you a, a scripture just to get us started um, in this conversation about Christian meditation. And this is what it says in Romans 8, uh, verse 5. Uh, Paul the Apostle is writing this to the church in Rome. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That sounds, we need some of that in our world right now. Uh, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Important word, dwells. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life. There's a promise right there to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so let's let's talk about the flesh just for a moment. We talked last week how the flesh is not the physical, external part of who you are. The flesh is like the part of you that is corrupted due to sin. The Bible says every person's uh, fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. Uh, Jesus died when we, for us, gave his life for us when we were dead in our sins. So that's great news, isn't it? You know, that's how much God loves you. <laughs> and God died for you when you only had the flesh. And that... Part of us is really kind of our spirit has been corrupted and is described as flesh. And what happens is that the, 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 when we set our mind on the things of the flesh, that's the part of us that rebels against God, hates God and wants to do it our way. And we're going to find that, that when our mind is set both consciously and subconsciously on the things of the flesh, that the things that we experience as a result is going to be nothing good. We're going to experience every pain, every darkness and every uh, just just horrible stuff that comes as a result of the flesh. And so when Jesus died on the cross, our flesh was put to death on the cross. And of course, as Jesus was resurrected, we also received the Holy Spirit. And now his spirit has come to our spirit and is, is, is living there to, to, to be the source of life. And so we have a choice. Do we want to keep uh, bringing back the flesh from the cross and allowing that to shape our thinking where we're only going to experience all the stuff we don't want to experience? Or are we going to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to allow life to flow into us and into our mind and into our body, our mortal bodies? And so this is what Paul is explaining here. And right here, he's explaining that if we set our minds on the flesh, we will empower the flesh. But if we set our minds on the spirit, we will empower the spirit. Here's what we need to understand, first of all, in this topic, is that whatever you set your mind on, Whatever you meditate on, you give power to. 
You might think meditation is some weird thing where people are in a room and they're making sounds and they're breathing and things like that. And maybe, maybe it is as well, but we need to understand that actually the biblical definition of meditation is much larger than just a, a specific event where we're, we're sitting at home on, a, on our own or doing a yoga class or something like that. The biblical definition is anything that we set our mind on. Whatever we fix our attention and we dwell on a, on a truth, on a thought, on a person, on an object, we are meditating. So the reality is, is that we're probably meditating a lot more than we realize. You know when that person says something to you and you, you don't have a quick reply, but then you go home and you've you got a thousand things. Oh, I wish I said that. What are we doing? We are meditating on a situation. We're meditating on a moment. Um, you know, when we are on our phones and we're just scrolling on the gram and we are consuming content and it's just coming into our mind and it has got our soul focus. What are we doing? We are meditating. We are filling our minds with the stuff that we are consuming. And uh, when we've got our news sources coming in and we're reading about danger over here and we're reading about uh, just terrible violence over here and we're filling our minds, what are we filling our minds with? We are meditating on things of the flesh. And the result of those things is going to be nothing good. Now we can stay informed, we can be related to culture and you know, we don't need to live our lives as Christians afraid of the world. But we also just need to acknowledge the reality that our world is full of darkness. And and nobody accidentally gets filled with the spirit. Nobody accidentally sets their mind on the things of the Spirit. The default trajectory in our world is to be full of darkness, is to be full of apathy, is to be full of lust, to be full of uh, jealousy, to be full of deception. The, the, the default trajectory, because everything around us is like corrupting us from the outside in. And so it is so easy to indulge in the flesh because the flesh is your default desire. That's, that's just the, the corruption on the inside of you. But the fruit of the flesh is nothing good and will result in things such as anxiety and fear and worry and so on. And so we need to understand that that there is a a massive difference between Christian meditation and other types of meditation. I've just described just almost like a general state of being that we are frequently meditating on things and often we don't even realize that we're doing it. But if we were to examine some other types of meditation, whether that's And there's many different types, so I won't try and do justice to it all, but more New Age meditation, uh, Eastern Buddhist meditation, uh, even secular meditation, concepts like just going to focus on my breath or become aware of my feelings. It's like practicing mindfulness, self-awareness. I'm imagining like a light going across my body and I'm just becoming aware and mindful of what's taking place. These are just some of the examples of meditation that you may have uh, come across. Some of these are directly connected with religious thoughts like I am the universe, you know, all these sorts of things that are just clear, uh, you know, these are not Christian beliefs. So uh, do, do with that what, what you will. Uh, but, 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 but what we're going to find is that most of these things and these, these uh, forms of meditation are predominantly quite passive. Uh, what, do, what do I mean by that? So let's, let's take the, the, the idea of mindfulness in terms of self-awareness. Uh, we're going to just stop. We're going to focus on our breathing, let's say, and we become aware of our emotions. Now, what is taking place as we do that and we go through that process, perhaps, is some of the things in our subconscious, as we meditate and become aware, are going to rise into our consciousness. So some of the, the the deep things on the inside of us that we may not even be aware are there are going to rise 
in us. And the thing is that these things, as a principle, to be self-aware is quite a good idea. But the problem is, is that when we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, if we're just to, to, to spend time eliciting our feelings and allowing them to become to the surface, what you're actually going to find is this experience is going to be actually quite overwhelming. Initially, there will be a sense of relief, like, oh, I finally see who I am. I finally accept who I am. But you'll actually find, if you look on the internet, there are many, many, many people who will actually say that when they practice meditation, although there is a short-term relief there is actually a long-term impact where depression gets worse anxiety gets worse a lot of the problems in the mind actually get worse why is that it's because that sort of meditation is passive we are simply bringing to the surface the stuff that is deep within us and here's here's my point right here is is, is that, that that we need more than to be simply self-aware now christian meditation is different because we're not just being self-aware of what's going on the inside of us, although we could see through reflect, partly because we want to reflect the glory of God, but also partly because we do want to be self-aware people who reflect on our lives and know who we are and all of that kind of stuff. And so Christians are not against being emotionally intelligent and being aware of some of the things that we're processing. That is a necessary part of life. But the Christian doesn't stay in a place of passivity where we've brought all these things up to the surface that we now don't know what to do with. Or, or better, worse still, we don't have the power to actually deal with the things that have come to the surface. You see, this is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in your own strength, you cannot deal with the deepest, darkest, most intimate crevices of your mind. That the issues that cause anxiety, the issues that cause depression, that the subconscious programming deep on the inside of you, you need the help of God. You need God, the Holy Spirit. And God knows this, which is why he has sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, to dwell in us. And the Bible tells us here that, hey, you're not in the flesh. You've got the Spirit if the Spirit dwells in you. Okay, this is pretty important. You know, we can be filled with the Spirit in an instance and yet the Holy Spirit doesn't really have a home in us. We can have an experience with God in church on a Sunday, but by the time we get to Tuesday afternoon, we're, we're empty. Because the life of the Christian requires us to first be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the first thing we need to meditate on. If we're going to do Christian meditation, we need to meditate on the Holy Spirit and allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is only when we're full of the Holy Spirit that we're actually going to find that there is power to take authority over our thoughts and begin to shape some of the things and some of the issues of our heart that may surface in a moment of reflection or solitude or just prayer. And, and so we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we may find that we are powerless to deal with the issues of the mind. So that's the first thing we need to understand is that unless we are regularly being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to make his home in us. He has to dwell in us daily. We need to be continually filled, present continuous with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we will find that our lives are empty and devoid of the power of God. The great news is that at any moment, 
you can decide I'm going to allow myself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the, the reality is, is, is not that God doesn't want you to be filled with the Spirit. It's, <laughs> it's actually that we just have to engage. This is what Jeremiah uh, says, uh, chapter 17, verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. When we practice meditation without involving God, what are we doing? We're trusting in ourselves. We're bringing things to the surface and we're saying we can deal with this. But it says, the one who makes a flesh his strength, gosh, whose heart is turned away from the Lord, he's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But then it says in verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. I want you to think about what takes place in, in prayer when we lean into God. It's like we are sending our roots deep on the inside of us into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is filling us. Uh, planted by water, sends out roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes. Why? Because there's this power on the inside of us. So we can walk through the stresses of life and the difficulties of life. And instead of uh, invoking a response that is of panic or of fear or a way of coping that is unhealthy, a toxic trait on the inside of us, actually, we're going to find that this power to overcome by the Holy Spirit for its leaves will remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And then it says this about the heart. And this is strong. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The internal state of a human being, there's something corrupt. There's something wrong. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So we need to understand this, friends. If we want to be mentally whole, mentally well, we have to trust God. We have to acknowledge that this is not something that we do in our own strength, but this is something that we do with the help of the Holy Spirit. Your first bit of homework is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we do that? How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's actually much simpler than you realize because, because uh, the, the way that we're filled with the Holy Spirit is we simply invite him. We invite him. I wanna, I wanna re read you something that it says in Joshua chapter one, uh, verse, here we go. Where is it? Verse eight. And this is, this is what, what the Lord says to Joshua. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, so this is amazing, right? Here's Joshua leading all of the people of Israel into battle. <laughs> they're going to go take the promised land and they're going to have opposition. And this is not a metaphorical kind of picture. This is a literal reality of people are going to come and you're going to be in war. And so the Lord says to him, I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be bold. I want you to have courage. Don't be frightened. So that tells us straight away that Joshua was frightened. 
because who wouldn't be frightened? You're now the leader of a, of a nation and you've got to go lead this, pe- this people into a place and you've got to win battles and you've got to accomplish great things and you're like new to the job. And so the, the, the Lord says, I am with you. Let me just speak that over you today. God is with you. He is for you. He has given his spirit to you. He is not only with you, but he is in you. you. You need to understand that today because you don't have to work any part of that to get God to be on your side. He is for you today. He, he has got your best interests at heart. He cares for you. He loves you and he is leading you into a good and glorious and wonderful future. But look what it said right at the very start. So this book of the mouth shall not depart from your mouth. Isn't that interesting? It's not going to depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So this is one of the many places that the Bible talks about the link between the mouth and the mind. (laughs) We take control of our thoughts with our mouth. Your mouth represents your will. And when you speak, there is power. So let's, I'm going to come back to the word of God in a moment, but let's just stick on the Holy Spirit. How do we uh, remain immersed and filled in the Holy Spirit? You have to ask him. And so a huge part of my prayer life with God is saying, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Holy Spirit, fill me with your thoughts. Holy Spirit, permeate every part of my being. Let your power and your anointing rest upon me. Fill me, Lord. And I find that when I pray that prayer, I begin to sense the presence of God with me. It's not always instant. Sometimes I gotta fight through my own emotions and I just gotta let everything settle and submit everything to God. And this is where we come into all sorts of concepts that we we will be digging into over this series when we talk about worship and we talk about surrender and the importance of these things. But the key here is that the, the key is in your mouth. To meditate day and night, you've got to begin to use your mouth, which is why in church life, we encourage people to engage with their mouth, not to just sit there and be passive, which is what the rest pretty much of meditation in the world or secular meditation is. I'm just going to sit and dwell in my feelings. Well, that's not going to do you any good. You need to begin to invite and invoke the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then it says there, hey, so that you'll know what you're supposed to do, so you'll be able to follow the things of God. Okay, so we're going to find that the Holy Spirit is going to help us know what to do. When we've got the Word of God on the inside of us, that's Jesus, the Word, we're actually going to have wisdom to know what to pray and also to know what to do. So you're thinking, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, if you read the Word of God, you will find out. (laughs) You're going to find prayers to pray. You're going to find uh, doctrines and principles all throughout the scripture about the Spirit of God, what the relationship between God and man looks like. And you're going to be able to make some declarations. And so, you know, this is, this is how we change our thinking, friends. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to bring our thoughts to the surface. So if you've got, a, you've got something going on the deep, deep on the inside of you, this is, this is much what we're talking about in the self-awareness. We become aware. So maybe you feel powerless right now. Maybe you feel dry right now. It's okay to be aware of that and to say, God, I think I'm feeling pretty dry (laughs) right now. I don't feel like I can do everything you're asking me to do. I am struggling. It's, It's okay 
to bring those things into awareness. But we need to understand that we can't stop there. If we stop there, we're going to be feeling stoked. We've got to move through and we've got to fill our minds and our thoughts with the Word of God. So we've got to read the Word of God so that we know what we should actually pray. So we allow these things to come to the surface. We've filled our minds with the Word of God and we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to speak the new reality that God gives us in the Word of God into being. And so let's say with the Holy Spirit, for example, see, God's not given me a spirit of fear. That's in Timothy. He's given me a spirit of boldness. So first of all, we can look at that and we can say, God's given me a spirit. And he's not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of boldness. God has given me his spirit. So right there, you can just start thanking God that you have the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in me. Now, you might need to speak that and pray that out until you feel it. But I can tell you that you will change your reality when you begin to declare and speak the word of God. What does Jesus say about the mountain? He says, speak to the mountain. Doesn't say think about it. It doesn't say, uh, you know, write a poem about it. It doesn't say talk to your friend about it. He says, speak to the mountain. The power of God is in your mouth. And when you get the word of God on the inside of you and you speak, you will unlock things in your life that you cannot do um, in your own strength. And so we, we, we speak the word of God and the power of God begins to come, become a reality. And, and, and here's, here's the problem. With, if, if, if we are not uh, well versed in the word of God, we won't know what to pray. We won't know what to say. And we're just going to think prayer doesn't really do anything. It doesn't really work. But it, it's possible that you're just not doing it properly. <laughs> it's possible that you're, you're not willing to go through the process of the mess of figuring out the power of positive declaration. Now, we'll see when we think about this is we kind of almost come full circle to a quite a secular, popular idea. And that is this idea of positive thinking. Now, here's the really interesting thing. Because let's say uh, if a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they do some meditation, they bring out some of these feelings and they begin to apply positive thinking. It won't work. And here's why. Or it will work a little bit, but it won't have lasting change. And the reason is this is because that person does not have power and they don't have truth. So here's the thing. If I want to say without God, I'm a confident person, I can make that declaration. But the more I make it, the more convinced I will be that it is not true. Because reality is around me. And I look around and the truth is, is that without God, I am not a confident person. The more and more I become aware and the more and more I allow my feelings to come to the surface, I'm going to become increasingly anxious as I actually realize that the world is a crazy place and that I cannot do it in my own strength and that the challenges around me are too much. And so we're going to find that if we do not include the, the, the spiritual reality that we are going to be without power. But in contrast, if we understand that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, we can actually go, I am confident. Not because I've got it in myself, but because the power of God, the creator himself, is on the inside of me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? And so we can see a lot of these principles make sense in a secular sort of world, but they lack the power. Whereas we as Christians, we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And these principles will have lasting change. And so we program our thinking with our mouth. 
We meditate on the Word of God by by not being passive, but by being active. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Self-control. God gives you the ability to be in control of your life. Like, Like a parent who raises a child. As your kids get older, you give them more and more responsibility. When they're kids, you need to do everything for them. You change them, you feed them, you cook for them, you tell them what to do, you make decisions for them. But over time, as that child grows up, and matures, you actually want to give them freedom. You want to let them even make their own mistakes. You want to let them explore themselves and gain autonomy. And this is what God is trying to do in us. He wants you to be full of his spirit, not that he would control you, but that you would have control of your life, that you would have the power of God to be whole, to be well, and to live up to your human potential, the dreams and purpose that is on the inside of you. I'd love to pray for you today. Maybe there's some people today and you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe not ever, uh, maybe just not recently. But the first step is to receive Jesus, is to acknowledge that there is sin on the inside of us that needs to be put to death on the cross. Jesus has made a way for us to experience freedom and we do it through the cross. We put to death the old for a prayer and then we allow um, the new to come into our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our first step. And then after that, we, we live and we continually dwell and we create disciplines and rhythms where we engage, we get the word of God in our mouth and in our minds and we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd love to pray for you today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill every single person who is watching right now. God, fill them with your power, fill them with confidence, fill them with your life. I pray that in this church, God, we would have people who the Holy Spirit is not just a visitor, a special moment, special experiences, but God, that you would reside in our hearts that you would fill us afresh today. And we pray for power that would set us free in the mind. And we pray for power to commit. We pray for courage to create disciplines and rhythms. I pray that the word of God would be in our mind and in our mouth. We pray that we would experience the life and the peace and the purpose that you have destined for us. And everybody said, amen. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining today. Uh, We'll catch you guys soon. God bless you.